KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. If you listen to Flashpoint at all, you know that I am obsessed with wrongful convictions, okay? How in the world could the justice system get it so wrong? So this week, I had to do an interview with an organization that is celebrating 10 years in the justice business. The Pennsylvania Innocence Project was founded in 2009 by Dave Richmond and David Rudofsky. And over the years, they've helped 17 people find their freedom. Take a listen to my interview with two of the leaders of this wonderful organization. I'm delighted to be here with Howard Shear. He's president of the board for the Pennsylvania Innocence Project, as well as Nan Filer. She's executive director. Welcome. Thank you. We're very happy to be here. Yes, this is a huge milestone for the innocence, for the Pennsylvania Innocence Project. Yes, yes, it is an enormous milestone for us. We've now matured to the point that we're 10 years old this year, and uh, we're, we're delighted to have survived these 10 years and especially succeeded in exonerating and freeing a number of innocent people. 17 to be exact at this point. Congratulations. And um, I've kind of been there, been around for at least five or six, seven years uh, for the Pennsylvania Innocence Project. Could you go back to the origins? Because people think Innocence Project, period, have been around for decades, but that is not necessarily true. And now, you know, the Pennsylvania (laughs) uh, Innocence Project hits 10 years. So go back to the origin story. 10 years ago, Pennsylvania was uh, without an innocence project, and there, there, there were innocence projects associated typically with law schools, uh, principally in New York City. There was an, uh, the original innocence project exists there, but Pennsylvania didn't have anything like that. And we had uh, some newspaper reporters, quite honestly, who investigated crimes uh, where the uh, where it's obvious or was apparent that the uh, person convicted was innocent. Uh, We decided that Pennsylvania needed an innocence project of its own. And so 10 years ago, two two lawyers, David Radofsky Mm -hmm. and David Richmond, got together and said, let's let's do it and let's put together an innocence project. And it it really began there. We had a a one-time gift from Jerry and Marguerite Lenfest. Believe it or not, just one time they said, don't come back. (laughs) Just one huge gift, and that was seed money. And Temple University and Temple's Law School said, we will give you a place to live, a shelter, an office from which we can operate. And with the combination of those two really major support, we were able to start an innocence project in Pennsylvania. And... Uh, shortly thereafter, we hired a, uh, an executive director, and uh, uh, Marissa Bluestein, yes. who's no longer with us, but she's uh, now uh, often working at, a, at, a, at the Quattrone Center, which, uh, which uh, looks to help uh, reform the uh, criminal, criminal uh, justice system. But that's, that was the beginning of the 10-year uh, experience that we've had. Yeah. And I know that from the very beginning, letters probably started coming in. 
We get letters. We get lots and lots of letters. We uh, get about 500 letters a year. Mm-hmm. We've seen uh, since we started a total of a, around 6,000 letters. And these are from men and women who are incarcerated in Pennsylvania, desperate for our help, that are claiming their innocence and really needing our help. And we review every letter really carefully. It's very time intensive. But we never turn anyone away. We can't necessarily help everyone immediately, but we review their letters. And we, uh, many, many cases, we do detailed legal analysis Mm -hmm. and factual investigations to really determine the strength of their factual innocence, whether there's a legal um, ability to go forward, and whether we can represent them. So it's a long process, but very rigorous for everyone who writes us. Yeah, and I understand that some of the people who are actually have been getting free in the past few years were some of the original That's right. letter writers or the original applicants. It, it takes, takes a while. About seven to thirteen years to represent someone, and I should say that um, it's also a long process, both legally to, to represent, but also these are folks who've been incarcerated for many, many years before they're for those that we've exonerated of the 17 that you mentioned, they've served a total of 395 years in prison, of lost years. And the average sentence is from about 12 years to over 42 years. One of our clients served 42 years before she, who, for a crime she absolutely did not commit before she was exonerated. That's a, these are amazing stories. I, I always say it's easy to get into jail, but it's very hard to get out. The system is designed to keep people in jail and to not admit that mistakes were made. And uh, only recently has the innocence movement gotten some public support, uh, considerable public support, especially from our local district attorney here in Philadelphia, that there are mistakes made in the, ju- in the justice system and we should work to correct those mistakes. And that's, that's what uh, the Innocence Project is all about. But it takes, it's easy to get in and it's hard to get out. And the people who write to us, the 500 letters a year that we receive, uh, are are not all innocent people, not actual innocent people. So it's a very difficult process to to cull through and find the people who truly are innocent and and whose innocence can be proven. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a very difficult strain to go through. Yeah, because actually, because I, one of the things I did a story a couple years ago about how wrongful convictions happen, mm-hmm. and I uh, actually interviewed um, one of the people from the Quatron Center, and the statistics they gave me was anywhere from two to eight percent of convictions are wrongful. And that's a big gap, but still, if you have 100 people in the room up to who were all convicted and spending time in prison, eight weren't mm-hmm. supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so and, it, and talk about some of the reasons. Well, how, could, how could it be so wrong? Well, uh, well I guess, uh, I guess uh, the first thing is 2% is 2% too many. I, yeah. I, I, I can't conceive of spending one night in jail for a crime that I didn't commit and then 42 years? That, that's unbelievable that to me in this society that we can actually put someone in jail who didn't commit the crime. And how can these crimes occur? How, how can these convictions occur, these wrongful convictions occur? Some of the stories are just unbelievable. Uh, we, we exonerated uh, one gentleman who was actually in juvenile court on the, at the time that the crime was allegedly, the murder was committed. 
Is that Sharon Thomas? Time, that, that's, that's who it is, Sharon <laughs> yeah. Thomas. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, 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 the only person I know whose name is Sean and not Sean. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. And he signed his name at that in the juvenile court center right at 18th and Vine. And, and, and yet they convicted him of the crime that occurred at that moment. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And, and then, then you have uh, others who, who were on videotape at the gallery, uh, at the old gallery, and on videotape on South Street, hanging out with friends. At the time, the murder for which he was convicted and spent 12 years in prison mm-hmm. occurred. It's just incredible. And which case was that? That was, uh, and I think I remember this one. I'm looking at it. Uh, Dante Rollins. That's Dante. That was Dante, Dante Rollins. Rollins. Yeah. Dante Rollins. I mean, you know, <laughs> Strawberry Mansion, uh, uh, lived mm-hmm. in Strawberry Mansion. A, a stray bullet killed a, 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 a passenger in an automobile, a young child in an automobile. He came home from shopping down on South Street and on, on the gallery. I remember that. And the cops were there, and the police officers were there, and they arrested him. I mean, he, he couldn't have done the crime. And, and the videotapes were shown at the trial of the case, Yeah. showing him at the, at the mall. Mm-hmm. But the judge, for a, for a good reason, maybe not the right reason, but for a good reason, did not allow the jury to see those videotapes while they were deliberating. They hadn't been admitted into evidence. It's a technical thing, but it, it's, it, the, the lawyer who represented him didn't have admitted into evidence so that the jury could look at them while they were deliberating. Instead, they saw them in the courtroom, but they couldn't see them in, while deliberating. And I got to mention the most recent case, Willie V.C. Um, I had been following this case for a while, and then his, his boss, his boss from 27 years ago, was at the hearing and was with tears in his eyes because he said, I was with him. He was working at the time this person was murdered. Like, and he could not believe it. It was almost like a bad episode of Black Mirror for him <laughs> that someone was who he knew where they were. He was the alibi and, and still, you know, and there was a false confession situation. Yes, there. yes. Yeah. And, that, and that, so and people, eyewitnesses, I mean, you, you, I'm sorry, that, that the... Uh, Eugene Gilliard, you remember? Yeah, Eugene, Eugene Gilliard. The, the person, three months after the incident, she was looking through a fan at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. in the morning. She was looking through a moving fan from the second floor of a window, and she identified Eugene Gilliard, and that's the reason he went to prison for a crime that he had nothing to do with. She, yeah. Her father had been killed on the street, and, and she... How could she have possibly recognized him under those circumstances? And yet... He was convicted. Yeah, and so you have uh, eyewitness issues. You have false confessions, um, just technical uh, issues as well. It's a number of reasons. Yeah, the classic reasons, you know, the DNA. That's, the, that's how the whole movement began with DNA, the science that can demonstrate that a person's uh, bodily fluids were not the fluids that were found. They can negate the, uh, that or... Or the arson cases, which uh, which is uh, the the woman of forty two years and uh, Letitia Smallwood, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, Therese, uh, uh, her sister is Letitia, and yeah. uh, she, uh, you know, in in uh, I guess in was in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, uh, she was uh, accused of having uh, caused uh, a fire, mm-hmm. and it, it was clear that science has demonstrated that that was a spontaneous fire, not a fire that was caused by But she by did arson. 42 years for 42 that. 42 mm-hmm. years, and uh, only because she was 
sick with uh, cancer and disease is that uh, they, I don't know, they finally let her out. But. Yeah, and it takes a lot. Um, and I've talked to a number of people who are on your list of exonerees, and everybody says that, you know, it's just, it, it's almost like they, it's a family. It's almost like you are their family, yes. and it, the momentum builds, yes. and, and that's how they're able to get out. What does it take for you guys, if you were to give me a laundry list? This takes, it takes, you know, you said 7 to 13 years, but there's a lot of work that goes into this. The cases are really complex. And, and um, as we noted, take a long time. Many, many different hearings up and down through the courts. Lots of appeals. Um, you know, it's a, it's I think emotionally really challenging, intellectually very challenging because you know the whole time that this person shouldn't be in prison, and yet you are sometimes dealing with appeals with a district attorney who is, doesn't agree, and it, and through throughout the process. There's a tremendous amount of work that it takes, and it's very staff-intensive. We're a small organization with a big mission. We provide support and legal services to innocent people throughout the Commonwealth. Um, In fact, we have an office in Pittsburgh as well as Philadelphia. And but yet a staff of only three attorneys. Mm-hmm. So part of what we look to do in the future is to grow and to be able to have more staff because the cases are so time intensive and, and so labor intensive as we work through the court system. Yeah, and of course, interns are a big part of what you do. Well, legal we've interns. We've thirteen hundred interns since we've started. Thirteen hundred. We really believe in training the next generation of attorneys, and that's a real strong commitment we have. And we rely on both law students and interns and tremendous support from attorneys throughout the Commonwealth that are are co-counsel in our cases, that do legal analysis for us, that write amicus briefs. It it is really a community of um, Those pro bono hours, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's really tremendous. I have to say that uh, I I was asked 10 years ago to be involved in the Innocence Project and to serve on the board. And, uh, you know, what that means is raise money. And, and I, I said, well, I, I'm happy to be on the board and so forth, but I have to have a case. I don't want to do this just to serve on the board. And, uh, and sure enough, I, shortly thereafter, a, a case was assigned to me, and I was able to work on, the, work on this case with uh, Neil M. Songvi, who is one of our staff attorneys, who is a phenomenal lawyer, terrific lawyer. We had hearings. We've gone to the Superior Court. We had a motion for reconsideration before the en banc Superior Court, which means every judge on the Superior Court. It's, now it's coming back uh, to the trial judge one more time who denied our relief the first time, and hopefully we'll get appropriate relief this time. But it and is a seven, eight-year process just to, to, to have it considered. It's, and it's all volunteer pro bono lawyers. I want to emphasize the interns and the staff, but the pro bono lawyers, this entire legal community across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, every time we ask, they stand up and they offer pro bono time to support our efforts to... Uh, and what's your client's through. name? Well... You don't uh, want to... I, I, I probably shouldn't say his okay. name, but it's a pending matter. And his name is Rusty Brenzinger. He's from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Got it, got it. Now, uh, i got to mention that the Conviction Integrity Unit in Philadelphia, we've seen big, I mean, 
folk have been coming out of prison in just a short period of time. How does a conviction integrity unit, what is it, how does it help you do your job? The attitudes is, is the difference. Uh, the, uh, under prior administrations, the attitude was, if we can get a conviction, that's a good thing. This administration seems to think, if we can get a conviction of a guilty person, that's a good thing. And that guilt or innocence difference really makes a huge difference, and that's, that's the difference. It, they're willing to look at cases. They're there to do justice, not to do convictions. And that's, that's the, the enormous difference in the prosecutorial attitude that we find here in Philadelphia and hopefully many, many cities across the country and in particular across the Commonwealth. Yeah, and so uh, the Innocence Project has grown and just the size, the impact has been significant over the years. Uh, and so what's the vision going forward? Well, I think our vision really is to continue with excellent legal services with our partners, with our pro bono attorneys and law students. And I think really to look carefully about how we can really represent more people because the demand is really great. We don't turn people away, but we do have people waiting to be represented who are factually innocent. So, and we need investigators because every case is intensely investigated. It's really based on a lot of the facts. As Howard mentioned, there are many factual disputes with eyewitnesses and with um, uh, the, uh, someone being at work and how do you show those facts, what evidence was not um, provided to the defense that will help exonerate someone. So we need more staff and with that we need more funding. We're having a big celebration of our 10 years yes. on Wednesday of mm -hmm. this week at the National Constitution Center. Dr. Yusuf Salam, who was one of the individuals that was wrongly convicted and later exonerated in the Central Park rape case, very infamous. It's a wonderful man. He'll be our keynote speaker, and it's going to be a tremendous event. I encourage people to come out, and we're looking for, and we have tremendous amount of sponsorship for that event to help support the organization, and we're always looking and needing more support from um, the community at large because... As Howard said, really one night of someone who is innocent spending time in jail for something they didn't do is a tragedy. Yeah. For every lawyer I've talked to and, and seeing Marissa cry at when yeah. Willie walked out, right. you know, it's like the highlight of people's career to see an innocent person freed. Lawyers, had, lawyers are in the justice business, or they should be. Yeah. And, and uh, delivering justice to a human being. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the most serious uh -huh. circumstances of having time in jail. We're, we will have nearly 500 people at the event. Mm -hmm. We will have, uh, we will have a, a, all of our exonerees will be there historically who, who have been freed. I mean, virtually all of them. I think maybe, maybe one or two won't be. It will be a wonderful night. We are honoring Marissa Bluestein for her service to this and organization. And she deserves it, yes. And she deserves mm -hmm. it. And if anyone were interested in attending this event, innocenceprojectpa.org, go to that website, donate, uh, buy your ticket, be there. It, it will be a night you will not forget. Yeah, transformational. So I, I want to go I right ahead. I just wanted to share one. I had the honor of, um, as I'm sure Howard has, but I had the honor of attending the dinner with John Miller, the evening when he had been released. So the night before, he, would, he had been serving many, many years, I think 27 years, I'd have to check, 
20s, many over 20 years in prison, and the next day he was released, and his freedom was confirmed, he was exonerated, and the, we had a, his first dinner. I was honored to be included with the members of our staff, legal staff and with the attorneys um, from Deckard, I believe, who re represented him, and everyone was crying. His parents were there, his grandmother, who he hadn't seen. It was just a privilege to have, see such an emotional evening of freedom, finally, for this person who was innocent from the day he walked in prison. Yeah. These people are amazing people. That they are. Have, have no resentment, no resentment towards society, no bitterness. They are just happy to be free, and each of them had a, a, a lifeline to the outside world, typically their mother or their spouse, someone who would help them, or their daughter. They would have, uh, they, they would have no idea what was going on in our society for the period of time that they were incarcerated, and they all wanted to get some food. They couldn't believe the variety of ice cream uh, flavors, that, that, flavors that are available. <laughs> uh, they wanted, uh, they, I mean, I remember one had to go to a lobster shack, and the lawyer volunteer who helped, helped her exonerate it he had never been in a lobster shack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And I got to mention that the Innocence Project, along with Project Home, uh, oh, yeah. had yeah, started so a, a support group. Transition um, to Innocence Support Group. Yeah, because what people face as innocent folk in prison is very psychologically taxing because okay. you're told right. to right. that you have to accept responsibility and if you didn't do it I, it's it's like you're constantly right. told this thing and then you have the transition to yeah. get a job to get housing there is no compensation in Pennsylvania for exonerees 35 states mm -hmm. in this nation do compensate exonerees for the time that they were wrongly um, incarcerated Pennsylvania is not one of those states so we try to step in as much as we can when we can give stipends to folks when they get out. And then we have a support group that's co-facilitated by Sean Thomas, who himself is exonerated. Yes. And we have a, a social worker on staff. So we're very committed to helping folks also when they get out, help get them out, help them retain their dignity and help them in the transition. So the whole person, and I know that the Innocence Project here has been lobbying to change some of the laws, yes. and hopefully that will be one, that maybe Pennsylvania yep. will become the 36th state that yes, compensates uh, their exonerees. Um, and so I want to just say thank you to both of you, and thank, thank you, you to your entire team for you know working hard. I know it's not easy, and I look forward to celebrating uh, with you on October 30th at the National Constitution Center. Everybody check out uh, innocenceprojectpa.org. You can pick up, you can get tickets, you can donate. Um, they take, no donation is too small. That's, That's correct. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And you can read the stories. Every one of the stories is on our website. And uh, I, you won't, there's not one human being who won't have a a, a damp eye when you read some of these compelling stories about injustice in America, in Pennsylvania, not only in America, but in Pennsylvania. I want to say thank you so much to Howard Shear and to Nan Filer for being a part of this interview. Thank, thank you, you very much. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 a.m. on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. You can find us on the Radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast flat, uh, platform. All you got to do is search Flashpoint. 
Point KYW. If there's something in your community that has you hot under the collar, let us know and we'll walk you through the flames. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. Mine is Cherry Greg. And thank you because you're a part of the Flashpoint fam. So we really appreciate you listening and subscribing to our podcast. We work really hard and we really, really care about the community. So until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Thanks for listening.